Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everyone. I'm Molly Molshine, and welcome to the third episode of Diva Behavior. Today's topic is Oprah Winfrey. I've been waiting my whole life for this, honestly. I love Oprah Winfrey, not just because... Her show was such a formative part of my childhood and adolescence, and not just because she's such a great entertainer. I mean, she's touched every level of entertainment and media from magazine publishing to talk shows to acting to producing movies. But another reason why I love Oprah and why I especially love her for this podcast is because she really throws into harsh focus all of the racist and sexist undertones that there are with the word diva and the concept of diva behavior. Okay, did you ever notice that white men are never accused of being divas? You could have the most demanding white man in any professional situation and no one is going to call him a diva. Maybe nowadays they might because people are becoming a little bit more aware of white male entitlement, but it's just probably not going to happen. And the only time men do get called divas historically has been if they're A, gay, or B, if they're a person of color. I do a lot of research on divas and a lot of research on diva behavior, and the only time it comes up in relation to a straight man is usually with athletes who happen to be black. So this basically tells you all you need to know about the concept of diva behavior and why it is such an interesting topic. Accusations of diva behavior usually surface when someone has gotten to a level of authority that the people in the establishment don't want to see them in. So for example, let's take a look at Meghan Markle. In her time that she's been in the public eye as a member of the British royal family, what has she done that's so crazy? Nothing. I guarantee you Prince Charles and Queen Elizabeth have both made much more outrageous demands than she ever has or ever will. And yet she is called a diva. It's because she's biracial. It's because she's American. And it's because she isn't part of the hoity-toity posh upper class. And that's why those accusations of diva behavior against Meghan Markle are going to continue for the rest of her life, no matter what she does. She can't win. She's being called a diva for saying that she wants her baby's life to be private, which, I mean, me personally, I think most of that is probably coming from Harry anyway, but it speaks volumes that people blame Meghan Markle for this and assume that it's her fault that the status quo is being disrupted. But she is accused of diva behavior for keeping her child behind closed doors. But what do you think people would say if she was parading him around all the time? They'd accuse her of diva behavior then too. So my point is, while the topic of diva behavior is fun and sassy and cute, it also has major implications when it comes to class, race, gender, and sexual orientation. And that's a big reason why I started this podcast. Because I couldn't help but notice that all the people who get accused of diva behavior are people who work for a living and worked their way up and it makes the establishment uncomfortable. And I love that. This is why Oprah is one of my favorite divas. Oprah seems like someone who realized that when it comes to accusations of diva behavior, she can't win. And I think she realized that long ago. So she leans into it and she revels in it. And it's just so much fun. It's just so fun to see Oprah 
joke around about being demanding and being super rich and not be ashamed of her wealth because she's one of the few people in America who's a billionaire who actually deserves it. I mean, think about how many people have complained about Oprah's wealth compared to how many people complain about every other fully evil billionaire's wealth in the world. So yeah, Oprah is incredibly important to me. She's incredibly important, I think, to a lot of women. And I think anybody who dismisses her or dislikes her or mocks her is not to be trusted. My guest today is Mariah Smith. She is one of the funniest writers working. I first found out about her magical prose when I interviewed her a few years ago about keeping up with the continuity errors. So what Mariah does is she looks at episodes of Keeping Up With The Kardashians and matches them up with the Kardashians selfies and paparazzi photos and she exposes how out of order they shoot the show. It's freaking genius and she writes commentary along with it and it makes me die laughing every single time I read it. It's published on The Cut. Definitely follow her on every single platform that you possibly can and read every word she ever writes, every word she ever tweets. They're all worth it. She doesn't just do Keeping Up With The Continuity Errors. She does tons of pop culture writing all the time and she has a lot of really cool things coming up. She's one to watch. Her name on Twitter is at Mariah as in like Mariah without the first A and her name on Instagram is at Mariah Mariah Mariah. She is a must follow. Every time we get together we have such a great time talking about celebrities and please share this podcast with a friend. Someone who you think will like it. Someone who you think will tolerate it. Someone who you think will drive around with the windows down blasting it just so that as many people hear about it as possible and rate and review us on itunes because apparently that helps with stuff okay enjoy some people think diva's a bitch i never said that diva behavior great gowns beautiful gowns of course i don't trust you diva behavior the podcast honestly i get more joy out of her instagram than i do the oh. own network so. her, yeah her instagram, her instagram is, is my favorite thing in the world i think she's a master of the craft and who would have thought that that lady that was on our tv screens every single day back in the day would be such a joy on instagram i know and that she would be maybe running for president Obviously not, probably, because... If only, though. I guess when that all started was when she made a speech at the Oscars, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then all of Twitter was like, Oprah for president. Yeah. People were so nasty about it, and it pissed me off so much. People were like, we can't have, we can't just have celebrities for president. And I'm like, like, oh, now you're drawing now, Yeah, line? exactly. Now we're, now we have some standards. Yeah. Like, this is what's, you know, someone who actually is a decent person could create policy in her sleep, all of these things, and also just shows that the threat of a woman and a black woman possibly running the country even at this sort of satirical level that Twitter created yeah makes people uncomfortable yeah which is frightening yeah it is it really is and I think it also shows how people don't know her backstory at all I don't think people know anything about her people think they do and I think that even when doing like more research before this and seeing like oh who Oprah was in the 70s and like the 80s and all that we forget so much of who she is. And I think we also forget so much of who she was when she was doing her show mm-hmm. because she's Oprah to us in a different way where it's like she's the head honcho of this network and then she'll show up. Sometimes she used to do 60 Minutes and all those things where it's like, oh, Oprah is a... She can do everything and yeah. like she's just the sort of go-to sort of person. So I think people really... They never think of Oprah's history. They think of her in the present a yeah. lot. Which I think somehow is a genius marketing tool and the best way to go yeah and I think that 
I think that people of a certain age associate her with trashy daytime TV yes. when she was competing against Sally Jesse Raphael yeah. and all of those sort of like people fighting yeah. on television, mm-hmm. um, which she did do. Yeah. And yeah. it's also hilarious. You cannot find a single clip of that era of Oprah. One thing that truly scarred me for life, a woman, I guess, lost like 300, 400 pounds. And oh, I loved on, when she loved when she that. On Oprah's stage, she was like, I want to get my breasts done because they hang down to my knees. And people were like, oh, this is, you know, this woman is lying. So she got on stage. Her top was off. And she rolled up each breast. No! And showed how she rolls them up to put them into a bra. And I've never been able to find that clip. And I remember it so vividly that I, because watching it then and even now, I couldn't believe it was on television. And the thought of someone rolling up their, the skin of their breast. <laughs> wow. It, it just couldn't, I couldn't handle it. But then another clip that my friends and sisters and I love is someone I think was on the show who was in some sort of accident and they only had a thumb, like they didn't have the rest of their fingers. And at the end of the segment, Oprah was like, oh, give me a hand, give me a hand. <gasps> and the guy, both Oprah and the guy realized she shouldn't have said that. And then she was just like, well, let me grab the thumb. And grabbed his no. Thumb. She said, and you're let like, me grab the thumb. And it's so, it, it's just, it's, so, it, it goes to show how like, yes, Oprah's human and does make mistakes and sometimes yeah. is sort of insensitive on air and things that like, you never really would see Ellen do because a lot of her, all of her shows are pre-taped and like in a way where they can be heavily edited. So it makes her be painted in the absolute best light. But when you think about the absolutely insane stories and that she had and the things she did, you're like, Oprah was really out here swinging, you know, from pillar to post, giving everything she could. Yeah. And everything we needed and everything we didn't need. Yeah. I loved... My friend got me when, for my 18th birthday because she knew I was obsessed with Oprah. Oh she got God. me the 10th or was it 20th anniversary? She got me the Oprah 20th anniversary box set, which I still have. It's like DVDs. My friend Amanda, mm-hmm. if she's listening, it was still to this day the best birthday gift I've ever gotten. Go Amanda. And it, I was so sad it didn't have any of that old stuff. It didn't have any of the old trashy things it had a little bit of an allusion to that and the thing that I took away I was already a huge Oprah fan but the thing that I really took away from it even though the whole thing was like it was like a 20 hour love letter to herself it was hilarious but I I would do the same thing if Mm -hmm, I was Oprah mm -hmm. and the thing I took away from it was how she was so vulnerable all the time and she was so herself all Mm -hmm, the time mm -hmm. and I don't think not to compare them but Ellen yeah she's not that way I think Ellen is very much when she's on her show she's show Ellen Mm -hmm. and I think Oprah is herself all the time and I think she has for better or worse exactly Mm -hmm. I think she has very genuine heartfelt loving moments and I think she has a lot of diva behavior Mm -hmm. moments Mm -hmm. which are also real and she doesn't try to hide it and she doesn't try to pretend that she's not that way and one of my favorite things that I saw her do and this is such a small thing but she went on tv without makeup on in her with rollers in her hair And a bathrobe. I forget what episode it was. And I just was like, she is one of the richest women in the world. She, everyone thinks that she's this vain, self-absorbed mm-hmm. person. But here she is on TV with a huge audience. Yeah. With no makeup on whatsoever. Yeah. Standing there, like, laughing at herself. Being like, this is me. Yeah. 
I love so my biggest thing with Oprah and like what I love is she is like you were saying wholly herself in whatever setting and I think that people with any woman and again socializing with a black woman who is extremely successful extremely confident extremely sure of their talent and what they can do and what they can do for either a network a show a person any of that it's very intimidating and very sort of off-putting and it reminds me of something Mindy Kaling said a while ago she was like I have the confidence of a white man which is jarring for a lot of people to see in an Indian woman or a woman of color and I think that's sort of like the energy Oprah has like if there was any white man I'm sure there almost every white guy on TV think of like a Matt Lauer who is very confident in the work he can do very confident in what he you know before all that like all I'm the best person for today I'm doing that so he had many of the if we're going to say diva qualities of Oprah that people think are unsavory, any other white male person on TV has that, yeah. that money, but no one's picking them apart for it. Right. No one's saying, oh, well, he, you know, he really needs to calm down and not have his staff do such and such or whatever. So I think Oprah, yes, let her let her say she doesn't want to walk somewhere. Let her say, yeah. you know, you can get to me through my assistant. Like, imagine how many people she has coming at her from day to day. Yeah. She deserves it. And... Speaking of Matt Lauer, among his many unsavory Mm -hmm. characteristics, not only are those accepted, but he was seen, before his sort of fall from grace, he was seen as the boy next door. Exactly. He was, everyone knew he was completely full Mm -hmm. of himself. Mm -hmm. Everyone knew he ruled all the hiring and firing of that entire And what's probably, and now we can probably confirm, is truly sinister and evil. Yeah. And yet he was seen as not just acceptable Mm -hmm. but lovable and sweet Mm -hmm. and it just would never happen it would never and like you have to and even when oprah did her uh which i love that reality show of how the show was made and i do think even there there were moments where it showed oprah as like a true boss but it's like yes she is the boss she is making these decisions and who wouldn't trust someone who's created top-level TV for decades to make these choices? And I, one thing that I do always think of when I think of Oprah is obviously her favorite things. I always admired how she never sort of lowered the price point. Like, she had some sort yeah. of economical things. Yeah. But other things were like, wow, you're really spending $2,000 on a cashmere, you know, pajama set. Yeah. But for Oprah, that makes sense. And guess what? There are thousands of people who have the ability to buy that sort of thing, and that could be their favorite thing, too. And it's like, I might not be able to afford it, but guess what? I'm not Oprah, and these are her favorite things that she's recommending (laughs) to me. I honestly, personally, would not accept that from any other celebrity. Ever, ever. But knowing where she's worked herself up from, I'm like, yeah, you should Like, if Kylie Jenner was like, I have this, you know, this much, I would be like, honey, have a seat. Torture have house. a seat. Have a seat. Because yeah. it's like, it's very different circumstances. And I think people forget the circumstances that lead to people's present paths and present sort of influence. I love it. Mm-hmm. You love it. Yeah. Her fans love it. But unfortunately, a lot of shitty people associate her with it. And for some reason, they think it is unworthy of... Mm. I, I just remember all of the people who made fun of her when she gave everyone a free car. Yeah. Which I I'm like, like, why are you mad about that? Yeah, she's giving free cars to people who need cars. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, what? Explain to me the issue. Yeah, which I don't get. I, I don't, don't get it. Yeah, it's weird. So let's talk about this Kitty Kelly book Ugh. that we both read portions of. Yes, yes. So 
part of the reason I started this podcast is because I love reading unauthorized biographies mm-hmm. of women I love mm-hmm. that are sort of warts and all. And I wanted to talk about them mm-hmm. with people who, mm-hmm. you know, I think would appreciate them. And I read this book for the first time years ago, and I don't know if I believe everything that's in it. Right. But it made me like Oprah even more mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it really gave me, I feel, a deeper understanding of where she came from. and Because mm-hmm. she doesn't really... I mean, this is the other thing. If Oprah really wanted to be a truly insufferable celebrity, yeah. she would remind us where she came from 24-7, but she doesn't. Most people don't know that Oprah was a victim of sexual abuse and years. rape and incest. Yep. Had a child that. that died. Like, all these things. Yeah. People don't know that. And, I mean, I think getting a deeper understanding of that was great. Kitty Kelly is super... The author of this book. She's insane. She's a nutty person. I just call her Petty Kelly. Yeah. I hate her. I know. I think I do. I never met her, never will. Just hugely disappointed. I know, I know. And it's the thing is, the the impression I've gotten of Kitty Kelly is that she does have a lot of admiration for her subjects. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. she wrote a book about the royals. Have you ever read that? No. Oh, I should read that. You have to read it. You would love it. Um, I think that she has a lot of respect and admiration for the people that she profiles. Mm-hmm. And I think she is capable of, of a very nuanced understanding of a rich, powerful person. Yeah. But I don't think most people are capable of that. Mm-hmm. So I think her work gets used for evil, especially yeah. with Oprah. Yeah. Like with this book, all the stuff that she uncovers and talks about, if it's true, a lot of it is completely understandable. Mm-hmm. And it does not make me think for even a second that Oprah is a bad person or right. anything. Yeah. But for the for all of the crappy people who want a reason to disparage Oprah, it's fuel to the fire. Exactly. And also, I think I would have a different understanding of the book or I would I would appreciate it more if she hadn't spent a large portion of the beginning explaining first her negative interaction with Oprah that she had back in the 80s, which I think for her put a sour taste in her mouth just mm-hmm. to begin with. And the way in which she sort of already villainized Oprah by saying she didn't want to participate. People were scared to participate because they didn't want to be on Oprah's bad side. Yeah. Oprah clearly has, you know, this powerful hold on people that it's hard to penetrate. So I'm trying to dig beneath that. So even going into something with that energy and not sort of a blank slate about the person or like about what you could uncover felt like you can read one thing and get a uh, get a positive impression, and read the same thing and then get a negative impression. So her mind was always sort of geared toward the negative. With that said, obviously we shouldn't look at people, especially celebrities, as perfect humans and people who are unflawed or just one hundred percent one hundred percent sweet and kind and perfect and amazing and humble all the time because yeah, that's not the truth. But I think with something like this, there is more nuance to the story than Kitty is letting on. Yeah, I think you're totally right about that. And that she did go in kind of wanting to dismantle Mm -hmm. Oprah and knock her down Mm -hmm. a few pegs in a way. And I remember when this book came out, the furor around it, and my mom refused to read it. Yeah. Which is crazy because my mom is an investigative journalist. So, or she used to be. So it's like this even was too much for her because she was like, there's no need for this lady to be like doing this. Exactly. Exactly. And also, like you're saying, yes, Oprah doesn't boast about everything that's happened to her in the past, but it's not like it's hidden. She's had spoken about these things, but again, it's not the basis of 
it's like she's done sort of a lot of healing to get past certain points in her life that clearly were painful. Yeah. And that's not the basis of who she is. She's not defined by those things. And like she's done so much in her career and in her life that those are the things that she chooses to be defined by. It's something that she has in common with Meghan Markle. Yes. So I feel like, I mean, you know, Meghan Markle, Mm -hmm. obviously her dad's side of the family is completely unhinged. Oh, God, yes. And toxic. And Oprah, you know, she doesn't really speak to her mom. I mean, I'm not sure Mm -hmm. what the status is of that right now, but at the time that that book was written, she wasn't really speaking directly to her mom. And we all loved it when we saw Doria get out of that car and Mm -hmm. go into Oprah's house with Mm -hmm. that gift basket or whatever. Or she got the gift basket. Yeah, she got the gift basket. Like, we all loved seeing Doria and Oprah Bond. And it wasn't surprising because Meghan Markle's brand already was sort of going in an Oprah direction of of having the blog Mm -hmm. and doing all this humanitarian work. But the fact that they both have super toxic family members just makes it seem even, it makes even more sense. And become toxic when they are at the height of their success. Yeah. And that's, like, a very telling and sort of chilling because you're like, oh, what, in any of our lives, what can create that turn? What's that one thing that would make someone feel as though they can approach me this way? Especially, like, with Meghan Markle, when it's your father, when it's your stepsister, who even though they didn't have, like, a close relationship with, they weren't sort of fully estranged by that. Like, they weren't sort of on good terms. And her stepsister looks exactly like Kim Cattrall, which I think creeps me out. Let's talk about some of Oprah's alleged diva behavior. Ooh, yes. Because none of it offends me. I mean, I've probably done worse, and I am a literal nobody, and I would slap someone if they said it was diva behavior. Same. And I also think she's one of the funniest people low-key. Yes, yes! Oh my god, yes. She just, like, she enjoys her life, and it's almost like... It just is, and I think she is, I was saying, I think a lot of what she does is sarcastic, and people don't get it. I agree. And I also think she has such a total lack of vanity, Mm -hmm. like I said, with the makeup thing, that makes all of her diva behavior a lot more endearing Mm -hmm. than some other people's. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, we were talking about Madonna the other day on the podcast, how she travels with a portable lighting crew at this point in her life, which is, like, hilarious, And but it's not... And I love it, but it's not endearing. It's It's not not cute. I find, like, the person who, another person who's in diva behavior I find endearing is Mariah Carey. And Mm. it's like, she knows that there are certain things, like, truly, she will not sit on certain sides. It's like, that is her tried and true rule. And she gets that people are going to think it's silly and weird, but also at this point, I'm sure she is would be fine, you know, sitting with her right side facing the camera, but she's like, why would I? I've done it this whole time. Yeah. And also she knows how to make light of even her worst moments if we've seen any of some of these like lawsuit allegations. But she again is like, I have earned this. I'm silly. I know I'm crazy. Yeah. If you choose to be around it, great for you. If you don't, even better. And it's a great brand move. Yeah, Because yeah. Mariah Carey is not just someone who sang a bunch of really mm-hmm, good songs in mm-hmm. the 90s. She's also a pop culture fixture now. And I don't yes. know if she would be without the... Leaning into the diva behavior yeah. and being upfront about it. Being like, yes, I'm the I don't know her queen. Like, yeah. there, that is what she has signed up for. And I think J-Lo would be and I love J-Lo, would be slightly more endearing if she played a little bit more into that, too. Everyone should. Mm -hmm. I I agree. One thing on here, I found this list from The Week. She says her employees call her Mary, (laughs) which I love. It's so funny. She makes each of her employees sign an NDA 
requiring them to refer to her in public as Mary in case strangers are eavesdropping. I think that's because she loves Mary Tyler Moore. I think that is too. And I think also it's not like Oprah has a common name. So yeah. if anyone is talking about her, you know exactly what they're talking. Like you're, you're not going to, if someone's talking about Kim, it can be a multitude of other Kims. Mm-hmm. They're, they know who Oprah is. But also, it's like you said, because of Mary Tyler Moore, that's so endearing because yeah. that is her idol. And it shows that there is humanity. Yeah. <laughs> Which I love. Did you ever see the episode where... She, mm. yeah, they surprise her with Mary Tyler Moore being there and she just sobs. I, that clip is one of the sweetest things yeah. ever. And she just keeps going, Mary. And then she, was that the same episode where she did her own intro to the Mary Tyler Moore show? It's amazing. Yeah. I'm like going to cry. I know. I love that. So that to me is not diva behavior whatsoever. That's protecting yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's cute because it's mm-hmm. how much she loves Mary Tyler Moore. Gawker did a big story, ex-employee dishes on life inside Oprah's empire. They had so many nasty stories. And I love Gawker. Gawker stand till the day I die. Yeah. But they had so many nasty stories about Oprah from like 2010. And most of them you can't find anymore. And obviously that's partially Hulk Hogan's fault. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that I was trying to follow links about Oprah's diva behavior where the stories have disappeared, not just on Gawker, but on other sites as well. So I wonder if she's working some SEO magic. I wouldn't blame her. I wouldn't blame her either. So this whole, this is all from the Kitty Kelly Mm -hmm. biography that Gawker got all this information. And they have this former staffer saying that the senior producers would ask assistants to go get Diet Coke, which was actually Diet Pepsi, but Oprah didn't like Pepsi, so they were not allowed to call it anything but Coke. So this, to me, right off the bat, this is the senior producers yeah. being weird. Yeah. So this this employee says, when I first started, I was asked to go get a Diet Coke. I saw that the machine was all Pepsi products, so I hauled my ass over to Subway, bought a Diet Coke, and came back. I took it into the senior producer's office, and this one bitch of an assistant, their words, not mine, asked, where the fuck have you been? We needed that like it was yesterday. I told her I went across the street to get a Diet Coke since that's what they asked for. She said, you're so stupid. When they ask for Diet Coke, they want Diet Pepsi. That's when I knew my days at Harpo were limited. Can I also add, so this is sort of twofold. My parents are from Chicago, and I grew up in St. Louis, but my parents call soda pop, and I call soda soda. And also, I do know a lot of people in Chicago who call just soda Coke. Like, that's their term for it. So I also think this is, like you said, it came from the senior producers, but it's also a um, generational and a, a geographical sort of difference. So I think if it were that serious that Oprah only wanted Coke products, that Pepsi machine would have been a Coke machine. There's no, like, there's yeah. not any like that's an easy fix for someone like that in that position. And you're working for a big celebrity. Yeah, your job is to get them the drink they want. Mm-hmm. That's when I knew my days at Harpo were limited. Like, get because over you your... didn't listen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that's get over not... yourself. That like... sounds personal. Yeah. So I feel like this person has an axe to grind. Of course. Mm-hmm. Then there's this other part that says during the shootings at Virginia Tech. Oprah was furious when Anderson Cooper was there first. She was saying, God, that guy really pisses me off. How does he get in there so fast? She's a journalist. Yeah, she's a journalist. And it's almost like how, and I feel like both we both are, you know, journalists and people who, it's like when someone dies. I remember recently I was in like a, a celebrity died and 
in some sort of correspondence and something, people are like, oh, this is great. We can get a biography up first, something like that. So yeah. it's like very much so everything is viewership and click related, obviously, and even more so when catastrophic events happen. And it sucks, but again, that's how it is when you're in the entertainment industry or when mm-hmm. you're in the news industry. There are things that you have to, you know, <laughs> yeah. you sometimes get mad that someone was at a mass shooting first. It, it's your job and you have to turn mm-hmm. off your feelings. Yeah. You just have to. You and sometimes to I, it's hard for me to do that. So this person clearly wasn't ready for prime time mm-hmm. and they blamed it on Oprah instead of themselves. <laughs> do you ever, sometimes it blows my mind to think about the fact that Oprah is everything she is and an Oscar nominated actress. I always am like, uh, Oprah really, I, I will be honest, I never really saw Oprah as an actress. I saw her in The Color Purple, and I think, she, yeah, she was in Selma, and she was really good in that, very good in The Color Purple, and I'm like, that's all good and well, have at it. But I never was like, this is your bread and butter. But now I do think like, oh, she is a great actress, and I think she had recently said that she doesn't want to do acting anymore. But the fact that she was able to cross over and then cross over at such a high level goes to show how much of a hard worker she is and like working hard at whatever task is put in front of her and if that's acting it's acting if it's hosting it's hosting if it's being you know someone who is running a school for girls in Africa it's running a school for girls in Africa it's like she is a determined person but it does blow my mind it's like the Jennifer Hudson thing where I'm like wow you were an American Idol and now you have an Oscar what is happening yeah yeah and it's wild to me because Oprah a lot of the time Someone who has a very strong sense of self mm-hmm. and has a very strong personality is not going to be good at acting. Right. They're going to be maybe a movie star mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they're going to be playing a version of themselves like mm-hmm. Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. Not really an actor. I love Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer Aniston is charismatic. She's yeah. compelling yeah. to watch on screen. She's great. She's mm-hmm. more of a movie star slash TV star. Yeah than someone who disappears into a role. Right, right, Whereas right. with Oprah, she had no acting training. That is true. Mm-hmm. She started as a TV or yeah. a radio host. Mm-hmm. She started as a radio host from the time she was in college and then moved on to TV. And she, you know, she was one of the most famous women in the world. Yeah. When she did The Color Purple, she was at her peak yeah. in terms of, like the the start of her ascent when mm-hmm. she was a household name everyone knew who she was everyone was watching her on tv every single day be oprah and then she goes into the color purple and disappears yeah and yeah. gives this incredible performance and you can watch it and not immediately think oprah yeah like mm-hmm. those two skill sets i think mm-hmm. rarely go hand in hand yeah. especially for someone who has never been flexing this muscle before that is very true it's very crazy true. yeah that is wild oh love her i know she's just so good mm-hmm. like whenever people get mad about her men get so mad about which i her. don't get it's i like, mean i get it because obviously but also i'm like give me a break it's because she doesn't need them yeah she does yeah. not need them. and she's not getting married she's like yes i have my man we're engaged and i don't know why people get so upset at that when you look at she's doing what almost every millennial woman is doing in major cities where they are in long-term committed relationships aren't in a rush to get married may or may not have kids with their partner and that is fine and like you're just living your life because sometimes your career is the front thing in your life and that's not a bad thing yeah it might not be your cup of tea but who cares if it's anyone else's also why would she share half her fortune with anyone Mm -hmm. i mean you know Mm -hmm. leonardo dicaprio and jack nicholson do this and everyone thinks it's fucking incredible yeah yeah but when oprah's like "Mm, don't need to it's like oh people are freaking out and i'm like listen 
Stegman is fine. He's going to be fine. He, what more could he get? Yeah. It's like, there's no, (laughs) I don't see any harm to any of this. He's living a charmed life. I think he still has whatever career he's doing still. He's actually a working man. So I'm like, yeah, give him a break. Yeah. Give him a break. What do you make of the, and I hate to talk about this, but we have to, Mm -hmm. because it comes up, it comes up surprisingly in like every powerful woman who doesn't need men Mm -hmm. for popularity, lesbian rumors come up. It's so funny because I'm like, A, who cares? B, because you see someone who has a close female friendship that's endured decades that automatically assumes they're secret lovers. And C, I ask again, who cares? Yeah. And I just don't think... I mean, here's the thing about Oprah that people... That she really gets overlooked Mm -hmm. for is... In my eyes, Oprah started the conversation on sexual molestation Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. children. She started that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I had never heard of that Mm -hmm. concept until I saw her talk about it. That is true, yeah. Which says a lot about who raised me. (laughs) Why was no yeah. one warning me? Right? I mean, you know, I guess it's because when you're yeah. little, it's just like... There's like hope it, you know. Don't let anyone yeah. make you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And if they mm-hmm. make you uncomfortable, tell me. And you're just yeah. like, okay. okay cool. <laughs> what does that mean? But yeah, I had never heard anyone speak about that mm-hmm. in such bold terms. And she took a major, major risk when she yeah. not only talked about that happening to her mm-hmm. on TV, but decided that she was going to force people to talk about it. She had the highest rated and show. And listen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And she said, let me risk it all mm-hmm. to get this point across mm-hmm. that could very well alienate the entire country wow. because yeah. no one has ever talked about this. So if she was gay, she'd talk she about that. She would talk about that. Yeah, and I'm like, she's had so many stories opportunities moments on her show to she's shown us who she is and like we were saying earlier for better or for worse so if that were the case both she and gail have no filter to the point of gail having to delete stuff off instagram because her <laughs> kids are like why would you post this photo yeah. of me why would you post your weight every day like with your toes messed up which i love and it's like these women are chatterboxes they're not going to be able to keep something quiet and if they wanted to blast whatever with the world they'd blast it so it is so like no one's accusing uh courtney kardashian of being gay no one when she's been with granted she has kids with scott but that you know means nothing she's 40 unmarried and is just out here in a mansion living her life has dear friends she's with larsa pippen every other day no one's accusing her of that so it's like all very I think it has to do with someone's appearance, someone's um, sort of position in the world, and also just extremely messed up gender roles. Yeah. It's really funny how people sometimes will complain that she's on the cover of her magazine every I love that. That's one of my favorite things in the world. It's like, if you have a magazine, why not be on the cover every month? And she gets to do a fabulous photo shoot every month. I Love it, love it, love it, love it. I couldn't admire it more. And who's a better person to be on the cover of a magazine than Oprah? And, like, O Magazine actually sells. Like, they actually are, I think, more popular in print than they are online, which says something because magazines are dying. Yeah, they beat the odds to be... Yeah, and it's a great magazine. Whenever I buy it, I'm like, oh, my God, there's so many good stories in it. Yeah. I found another really funny example of diva behavior. It says, Oprah refers to herself in the third person. 
She is quoted as saying, Oprah doesn't walk. <laughs> Have I ever said Molly doesn't walk? I'm I'm positive. Sure. I'm like, I again, I think that goes back to the sarcasm. And yeah. it's very much so a silly thing to say. Like, again, I invite you to look at Oprah's Instagram. She's silly. She's weird. She's irreverent. Like, she is, she gets it. So she plays into that. And I think that people... Like that bitter person who was working there, they just can't wrap their minds around someone being, someone like that being playful or sarcastic. Yeah. Do you think the people who dislike her, like that person who worked there, I mean, clearly that person has no sense mm-hmm. of like work ethic mm-hmm. and and maybe they would have a work ethic if In they were doing a different job, yeah. but they like that work environment was not their cup mm-hmm. of tea and I wonder if maybe that person and the people who think she's a diva don't have a sense of what it means to work your way up in the world. I and really think they, that's true. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that person who was so pissy about that, maybe they grew up kind of wealthy, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they were taught that that sort of behavior is unacceptable mm-hmm. because they were surrounded by people who didn't work for their wealth. Or they were the ones who were doing, had that sort of behavior. Yeah. And that it was... They're used to being catered to, not catering for. Yeah, and I think when Oprah does it, it's different because she's being, she's joking. Yeah, yeah. And it's not coming from this place of, like, intergenerational wealth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, here's another one. She makes an aide kneel to put on her boots each day. Okay. Yeah, she's 60. Yeah, I would do that too. Guess what? Prince Charles gets dressed every day. Yeah. I mean, and he, like, I, he has someone dress him from head to toe. He has someone squeeze toothpaste onto his toothbrush. So, give me a break. I have, whenever I have someone else with me, I have them put the straps on my sandals because, for me, it's an impossible task because I am, I just, my hands cannot get it together. So, I'm like, if I could hire someone to do that, you bet your bottom dollar I would. It takes a village. Yeah. And and I feel like the way this is phrased is they think it's crazy that the aide is kneeling to put on Oprah's yeah. boots. What are they going to do? Stand? stand up? I know. Do a headstand? Like, yeah. what do you want them to do? Yeah. And then this last one is the funniest one. She asks her employees to pop bags of popcorn to cover the smell of airplane fuel. Good idea. Yeah. Oh, I don't get. I don't get the issue. I really don't get the issue. And just knowing from what I've seen of her, I'm sure she then lets them eat the, eat popcorn. the popcorn. And also, if you're going to have that sort of complaint, why not complain that Oprah's flying private? That's right. What, that, that's the thing. The fact that she is in a on a jet where she can a smell the fuel and b have the ability to pop her own popcorn. Yeah. There are other things you could find to complain about. A hundred percent. What is your favorite? Oprah celebrity interview. Mm. Oh wow! I'm going to say I I think that I my favorite only because it made the biggest impact was when Oprah interviewed P Diddy, and I remember I think I watched it with my sisters, and when we realized that oh Oprah's very rich was she and Diddy were talking about I think he was like some clothing line of his or something. And both she and Diddy kept referring to, oh, one of my walk-in closets or my closet for my jeans or my closet for da-da-da. We were like, they have multiple walk-in closets and these two people are talking about it on daytime television in front of middle-class America. Like, 
what the heck to me that like and I just remember watching these two people but then I was also impressed that it was two black people talking about how rich they were and I'm like wow this is equal parts very annoying but very admirable that is definitely a moment yeah so I really like that one yeah people must have been had their minds blown by it yeah like in the middle of America and I'm like oh I didn't realize just Oprah is filthy rich and would have a home with multiple closets yeah when I barely had one but (laughs) oh well I loved, I always loved when she was interviewing someone and it got awkward Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. I don't know why she would handle it differently from anyone else. She would sort of not pretend that it wasn't awkward, Mm -hmm. but she also wouldn't act in a journalistic way. She just would kind of be like, when she was interviewing Elizabeth Taylor. Oh, yeah. And Elizabeth Taylor is just so nasty and she will not give her an inch. And Oprah just keeps being like, okay. Okay, all right. I guess we're not going to talk about that. And it's just so funny. And <laughs> it's so her. Yeah, it's just so her. I think it goes to show, like, being who you are is the best version of who you can be. It's like, because Oprah could have played the journalistic path as saying, I'm going to be this news anchor that I see on TV who I think they want to hire. But she was like, I'm going to be myself. And if you don't like it, I'll find the next job. And I that's sort of how I think I operate because I know I'm not for everyone, which good. But I don't know how to conform to anything. So it's like, oh, that isn't going to be a hindrance. It'll only sort of help you. Yeah, that is such a thing for us, Mm -hmm. for what both of us do in terms of journalism and entertainment Mm -hmm. that I have to remind myself of all the time that being someone else is not going to be the way forward. Exactly. And it's like, I have always operated on the idea of that if I do something, at least five other people will like it. They'll know five other people who will like it and so on and so forth. Because I'm like, I know I've always felt dissatisfied by either TV film or I'm reading what I've seen written online so I'm like okay well what would I want to see what would I want to write like all that and that's only served me I think and I think that that is sort of what I guess could be like an Oprah model of doing what you feel is best and it's not always going to hit it's not always going to be great but it'll be better than what anyone else could do because they're not you 100% and I think I was actually going to say that before what do you think is her model for Mm -hmm. what she chooses to do I think that is what it is it's just what she likes Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that's such a good way to do Mm -hmm. it and I'm like, I tr- I think that it's genius and I, and it also makes things a lot easier. It, you don't overthink it because you're just yourself and that, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it, there you go. You have it done. Yeah. And you're like, someone's going to like this. Mm-hmm. Even when she does get yeah. into her sort of sillier spiritual mm-hmm. stuff, I don't roll my eyes the way I would with someone else. Yeah. She believes it. Yeah. Like, that is what she believes. She's not saying the aha moments or the secrets she's not being paid to do that in the way that I mean she is but like she's not BSing everyone if she didn't like it she wouldn't promote it yeah and I think you know her her network with Super Soul Sunday Mm -hmm. and everything has gone very much in that direction and it's not killing it right it's not doing as well as her show right I don't think she cares she doesn't care she's like this is what I want to produce this is what I want to create which I'm like have at it, have all the shows you want on there, have Greenleaf, uh, Queen Sugar. Is Greenleaf on there? Or is that the movie? I don't know. I have no idea. But I'm like, just do it. Who cares? I do love, I love an Oprah celebrity interview, and I think the reason why she doesn't do it anymore is because she's just too much of a celebrity. I think she is, but also when she did another one that I just always love is the Lindsay Lohan where we get the what is the truth gift. That is one of my favorite moments in the entire world because it's so serious and Oprah's really like, 
I need to figure out what this woman is trying to do. I loved her Rihanna interview. That was one of my Oh, that was things. a great one. I forgot about that one. Yeah. Because I remember that was like, because uh, I think, wasn't that around the time, like, Rihanna wasn't doing a lot of press. And she yeah. hadn't really done a sit-down interview like that. I forgot about that. I don't think she's ever done one since. Yeah. Which is such a boss move to be like. That's so cool. I'll sit down with Oprah for mm-hmm. an hour once, and then I will never do it again in yeah. my life. Yeah. Like, she did a little goofy thing with British Vogue last month. And but she'll do things here or there. But an in-depth interview. She's not having it. Yeah. Which, because she doesn't have to. Yeah. And it's like Beyonce. Yeah. And she just was so endearing in mm-hmm. that. You know, like, I oh I was a little lukewarm on her in the beginning of her career. just because I Yeah, I just didn't love her music that much. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think she was given full creative control. Yeah. yeah. But now that she is clearly making all of the creative decisions, and it's like, yeah, she's not... She's a singer, but her strong suit is as a creative mm-hmm, persona. Mm-hmm. And, and a tastemaker knowing how to brand. Yeah, and visuals. You know, she's just a all-around powerhouse. Yeah. And no one ever gets on men for having a bad voice. It's like, but also... Imagine. Yeah, I mean, but they were trying to have her just coast on her voice alone in the beginning of her career. And it was just like... It's like anyone could this say. This isn't going to uh-uh, be the way. Uh-uh. Yeah. But I loved that interview. Do you think we'll ever get an Oprah Cardi B interview? I do. I do, because Oprah knows that it would be great for ratings, and she knows she would do it well. Yeah. And she probably has a lot of questions for Cardi about why she chose to get that together with Offset so many times. Oh my god, yeah. I have a lot of questions about that, too. I just found another feud that I had never heard of, and I cannot believe I've never heard of it. Angelica Houston calls out (laughs) Oprah. So, Angelica Houston had a wild day. She defended Jeff, Jeffrey Tambor and Woody Allen. Oh, God. And called out Oprah, Bill Murray, and Eddie Murphy. How could you get it so wrong? Someone that heard the complete wrong information. Yeah. She also... I. She's out of pocket a lot of the time. She is nutso. She's mm-hmm. on her own planet. Yeah. She also was there when Roman Polanski raped that girl. What? It happened in... I know. No one knows this. What? It happened in Jack Nicholson's, like, pool house. And she was there inside, and she saw him bring the girl in, and she was a witness in the trial. And she was like, I didn't know how old she was. I just saw them walk by, and that was it. And she sta- she stands up for Roman Polanski. She basically said, you know, he, uh, and for listeners who don't know, Roman Polanski was a director in the... He was really big in like the 70s and he also was married to Sharon Tate yeah. who was murdered by the Charles Manson people and that new movie's coming out in like two days. I'm My so um, sister-in-law's father took the last photograph of Sharon Tate. The one where what? she's uh, in the wet t-shirt. That's crazy. The mm-hmm. one with the star yeah. on it? Megan Draper wears that t-shirt yeah. in Mad Men. Oh, I need that t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Actually, maybe I don't because yeah. I'll get murdered. But... <laughs> So Angelica Houston was there when, so basically that all happened. Roman Polanski had this huge fall from grace. He's still living in exile in Europe because he doesn't want to face the the music because he drugged and had sex with Mm. a girl who was 13. Jesus. And Angelica Houston had no idea this girl was underage walking past. She talks about it in her memoir. What an idiot. I know. What an idiot. I know. And she basically says that she thinks he was just very upset about the murder of Sharon Tate. But then at the same time, she's like, but I didn't think she was 13. No, 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 no. I know. 
Because I was reading her memoir. She has a two-part memoir, and it's re- it is really good. She's a good writer, and her life has been insane. She grew up in this. Her dad was that huge director, John Huston. Mm-hmm. Her nephew is in Boardwalk Empire, the guy with his face missing. Oh, I didn't know that. I know, crazy, right? His okay, last I name, I think, her. is Houston. I was listening to her on a podcast with Mark Marin too, and she just, she just defends the wrong people time mm-hmm. and time again, which I think I always wonder why certain people are like that. I That's don't... so bizarre. I feel like that means she has a strong allegiance to certain people, and it's good and bad because she'll be like I'll defend you to death but when they are horrible people yeah that's when you need to reprioritize that yes I think when people are like that sometimes it's because they just want to be obstinate yeah they just want to be different Mm -hmm. they Mm -hmm. just want they don't want to follow the crowd they're like I have a I have a strong different opinion yeah here it is she seems to have intense not like other girls syndrome because I think she grew up idolizing her dad and like a lot of other men you know she was with Jack Nicholson for like 30 years letting him cheat on her left and right I think she just is cool girl syndrome so anyway her feud with Oprah that is wild I know that is wild Angelica Houston was in Preetzi's Honor which is a movie that no one else is talking about besides Mm -hmm. Angelica Houston every time she has a media interview every time she has an interview she talks about Preetzi's Honor no one else I don't even know what it's I don't about. know. Yeah, I've never heard it. And I'm like a huge movie buff, and I know you are too. Yeah, as I haven't so, even, that's not come across my desk at all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at all. So she's talking about Oprah has had a problem with Angelica Houston ever since she won the Oscar for Preetzi's Honor the same year Winfrey was nominated for The Color Purple. So Angelica Houston beat Oprah, mm. which once again, the Academy chooses wrong. I mean, yeah. The Color Purple is still relevant. Fully, fully. It one will of the greatest be, films, yeah. Yeah, it will be relevant forever, and Preezy's Honor will not. So the people at Vulture apparently asked her about the repercussions of beating Oprah. Houston said, she never had me on her show ever. She won't talk to me. Which, to that I say, I don't think Angelica Houston was ever big enough to, to be, be on, on the show Oprah. or had something to say that would be of use for the show. What was her biggest role? Adam's Family? I think so. I couldn't, I wouldn't have even been able to recall that. Like, I know right. Angelica Houston, but I, if I would have to go through her IMDb with a fine tooth comb to find something I've seen her in. Right. The Witches, the Roll Doll one. I didn't see that. Oh, it's really good. I don't really like his work. I, that, oh, yeah. That's yeah. Like, yeah, I'm like, he's not problematic into, now. Yeah. Yeah. Forgot about that. And then she said, the only encounter I've had with Oprah was when I was at a party for the Academy Awards, a private residence. Wonder if she saw anyone get raped and pretended not to see it. I was talking to Clint Eastwood and she literally came between us with her back to me. So all of a sudden I was confronted with the back of Oprah's head. Yes. Love it. Love it. Love it. I have no issues with that. Do you think also maybe, this is a possible, this is possibly Mm -hmm. a reach. Do you think maybe Oprah also had no time for Angelica Houston because she knew she had stuck up for a guy who raped a child? I do think that's part of it. Like, I'm going to say, I was watching, this will tie in, I was watching uh, The Bachelorette this week, and it was like the men tell all, if you watched it, Luke P, we all know, was like the worst person in the world. And everyone was sort of getting on him, and Hannah, the Bachelorette, came on and was like speaking to him. And is he the religious one? Yeah. And I feel like she was trying to not be as harsh as she really wanted to be because like they're on camera, but it really, and I sort of have this epiphany every month or every couple of months where it's like some people you need to be actively and publicly mean to them or show like if some people, if there is some offense that someone has committed that's so strong and has 
permeated multiple parts of your life and affected many people. I am not against not going high on that one. It's yeah. sometimes there are things that are just unforgivable where these people also need to be sort of confronted with the consequences of their actions and that consequences me being rude or not nice and that's that. Yeah. And Oprah's journey was coming from nothing, getting to this point, yeah. working so hard, begging Steven Spielberg to put her in this movie, getting the part, knowing this was probably her one shot for an mm-hmm. Oscar because mm-hmm. how many roles are there for her in Hollywood? Yeah. And yeah. Angelica Houston's journey is, oh, my dad was a director. And I made it. And also, I love one of my favorite clips, Masterclass or something, where Oprah talks about her journey to using sort of the secret to land that color purple role. Mm -hmm. And it is the most inspiring thing that I urge everyone to watch. Just like Google Oprah color purple story. And she'll explain like going to this fat farm and doing all these things that people made her do. And it is truly remarkable. So I highly recommend it. Yeah, she talks about running around the track mm-hmm. and just thinking, I'm going to get the color purple. I'm going to yeah. get the color purple. On the fat farm topic, yeah. Oprah has always struggled. And I use yeah. the word struggle because she was forced to present it as a struggle mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with her weight mm-hmm. for decades. Yeah. Rem- remember the fat in the wagon? Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Wow. And there, yeah, go on. When mm-hmm. she lost all this weight and she literally took, like, animal fat and put it in a wagon and towed it out with her. Being like, this is where I lost. It, that, to me, that those types of things I hated on the show because it was just so gratuitous and so, like, why? Yeah. Why? And why are you making this poor woman do all this just to conform? And again, something mm-hmm. you would never see on TV today. Yeah. Ever. And she bought into it because we all bought into it in mm-hmm. the 90s. Mm-hmm. Of the yo-yo you... dieting, losing a bunch of weight, all that. Yeah, yeah, you need to starve yourself to be like yeah. worthy of love. I don't know. I guess it's also generational. Mm-hmm. Obviously, she's in her 60s. And that is something that is so hard to deprogram. For yourself. Like, yeah. I'm still working yeah. on it. It's like a constant, constant, constant thing. And I know people who are in their, like, 40s and late 30s who are literally going to, like, therapists and nutritionists just to deprogram their mind. Yeah. And I'm like, wow. All of us could use it because it's like everyone, no matter what you say, no matter what you think, no matter how careful you try to be, it still is the number one thing on people's minds. Often. Yeah. It's great that today girls won't have to deal with that mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. the way that we did. But do you ever think about how many magazines and TV shows in the 90s and 2000s, and I'm sure the decades before that too, I just wasn't yeah. really alive, so I don't know. I wasn't really alive, I know. That little fact. <laughs> but mm-hmm. how oversaturated that message was for us. How they would show those photos of Nicole Richie and be like, yes. she's ta- Rachel Zoe is ordering horse tranquilizers for all of her clients so that she can, so they can lose weight. Yeah. And then there was a rumor that a girl in my high school had gotten the horse tranquilizers. I'm sure she didn't. Oh I'm my sure God. she also started the rumor about herself. Yeah. And she was hilarious. like, haha, got it. Yeah. I like, yeah. And I think that that was like, even the, even now though, it's like still like the after baby body after did it like all these things where it's very much like you snap back. You're still, even though now I think the conversation is it's still focused on diet and weight loss but it's sort of we've changed the language from skinny to fit and mm-hmm. strong and all those things so it's I think more coded language yeah but even still I think there's a long way to go because like even with Instagram people aren't carting out fat but you're still able to scroll and see very overcorrected views of people online mm-hmm. that are like oh why don't look, I look like that why don't I have the same exact body as Kylie and all of her friends. Like, yeah. stuff like that. Like, it's all very... It's just all messy. The before and after photos. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, the whole, like, bouncing back after a baby thing. I think at least the one good thing is that I think we have a little bit more of a 
an understanding yes, of yes. the fact that it's all pretty much genetic. Genetic and, and it's, yeah, yeah. Some people just are going to be skinny and some aren't. That's the thing. And Oprah says in on that DVD set that mm-hmm. I have, she talks about the fat in the wagon, and she's like, I hadn't eaten in three months. She's like, I was not eating. I was that weight for that episode, and I gained it back in a matter of weeks. Yeah, so it's like, that's unsustainable. It's not real. So it's just, and I think the whole conversation around her weight dominated a lot of her public Mm -hmm. persona in the 90s, too, which is such a bummer. It's so weird to me, and I'm like, why would that, why was that a thing? I guess when you look back at it, everyone else, like, on, not even everyone, it's like, I'm thinking about, like, Jenny, it wasn't, who, no, it was Ricky Lake. Did Jenny Craig have a show? Jenny Jones. Jenny Jones, yes. Jenny Jones. Yeah. Who they were all sort of I don't like, know where that came from in my head. That is, you're smart. I, I was just like, was I like... knew what the, because it's like Sally, Jenny, Rosie even. It's like, it's not like there were, it was only one type of look of woman on TV. So the fact that she was the one that had that scrutiny was appalling. Yeah. And it was just, yeah, it was a really, a really big issue. And I just remember it again being like men. Yeah. On late night shows talking about how fat she was. Let's end on her most recent and truly delectable diva behavior. Yes. Was when she said in an interview, I think it's ridiculous to pay for your own avocados. <laughs> Do you remember that? I, yeah. I think that there are probably a lot of people who feel that same way. Because, like, uh, again, Oprah has, I guess, the garden the size of a small country because yeah. she's always showcasing those fresh fruits, the fresh greens and all that. For me, that doesn't interest me at all, but I don't blame people for literally enjoying the fruits of their labor. A hundred percent. I think, oh, that's such a good message to end on. (laughs) I know, right? We love when people enjoy the fruits of their labor, especially when their name is Oprah Winfrey. Yep. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. This was so fun. Of course. I need to have you on again. Of course. Some people think Diva's a bitch. Diva Behavior, the podcast. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.